0: Welcome to Essential Ethics, brought to you by the Children's Bioethics Centre at the Royal Children's Hospital. I'm your host, Professor John Massey, Medical Director of the Children's Bioethics Centre. In this podcast, we present the closing plenary of the 2019 National Children's Bioethics Conference. The theme of the conference was respecting different perspectives. And to wrap the conference up, our two senior ethicists, Professor Claire Delaney and Professor Lynn Gillum, pull apart the concept of respect, and reassemble it in ethical terms.
1: For those of you who've done a little bit of philosophy or know a little bit about ethics, you might be aware of the idea of a Socratic dialogue. So we're gonna have a little bit of a go at that, trying to unpack the idea of what respect is with reference to everything that's happened in the conference so far with a few ideas of our own, but by talking with each other rather than Uh, talking to you. Um, Does anyone know what this painting is? There's no prize for knowing except the glory. Good, Socrates, that's what we want you to think. Actually, it turns out to be Aristotle and Plato, but (laughs) the point I wanted to make was that in the Socratic Dialogues written by Plato, Socrates is one of the characters, and uh, frankly, Socrates is a bit annoying, to be perfectly (laughs) honest. He asks annoying questions and he lets people talk themselves into a corner. And then he says, aha, but that can't be right. And then asks another annoying question. So one of the jobs that you've got here is to try and figure out who's being Socrates
2: (laughs) in this dialogue. That wasn't part of the preparation. No, no, I just (laughs) bring that on clear now.
1: Okay. So um, this is what we're going to have a chat about. Um, The basic idea of respect. what what that means as a concept. Um, In fact, Hugo and I started talking about that over lunch. And then what respect means when the going gets tough. Have we got an audio clip for that? Oh, no. Sorry, we don't have the audio clip of when the going gets (laughs) tough, but if anyone would like to sing when we get there, that's the one, thank you. Um, And in particular, we're thinking about um, disagreement, conflict, and situations where people are behaving badly. What does respect look like or mean there?
2: Okay, so first of all, my first question is, why are we talking about respect? I mean,
1: it's the conference theme, but yeah, why is it the conference theme? Um, So probably if you did a word search, respect would be one of the most common words used in the ethics literature, and we're respecting things all over the place. We're respecting autonomy, we're respecting parents' wishes, we're we're respecting privacy, confidentiality. Um, And we talk about those other things, but this core concept of respect, we kind of pass over. And one of the, I think, the interesting questions is whether that word respect actually means anything at all. And if it means something, can we turn it into a useful concept?
2: So So, that's where we're going. So that makes me think we could start by thinking about what respect means in everyday life, because that might be easier. Yep. So when I was thinking about that, um, I thought, well, who do you respect, <laughs> The most recent um, example of respect that <laughs> I, uh, I uh, came to mind was uh, looking at Strava. Who has Strava in the room? Just so a couple I'm of I'm feeling things. sidelined already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I was looking at Strava, which records uh, people's physical feats in various sporting endeavours, and looking at someone who had just recently climbed a high mountain in a short time. And I thought that was a pretty good effort. I respect that. And I gave that person the thumbs up. That's respect.
1: Yeah, is it? Is that respect? Uh,
2: What about, um, you would, I'm thinking, the first thing that came into my mind when I thought the story you would tell about respect would be you respect your dogs.
1: Yeah, do I? And so, do I respect my dogs? So you may or may not know that I love my dogs very much. (laughs) Uh, and my older dog had cataract surgery last week. So he's had a cone on his head for the last week. So I, res- I th- uh, do I respect his ability to cope with a cone for a week? Or do I just feel sorry for him? So I know I love my dogs, but I'm not sure if I respect them. Um, I do think, however, you can be disrespectful to dogs by putting human clothes on them or painting them (laughs) different colours. So there's something in there. But what is it that we're talking about, Claire, I wonder?
2: Well, it seems like in in everyday terms, um, respect can mean admiration um, for a person, but it's often linked to um, something that they have done or achieved or perhaps it's linked to some characteristic or trait that they have, respect for somebody's persistence. Um, uh, or, yeah, or... Their but, ability to wear a cone for a week well, yes, without that's, complaining too much. Well, they can't complain. But um, respect in everyday terms can be earned but it also can be lost. I think we can all think of situations where you, a
1: person loses respect. So, eyes. if the person who put the thing up on Strava actually hadn't got to the top of the mountain, he just said so? Yes, if he cheated in some way, um, he would lose my
2: respect and I would remove the thumb back. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's it. And the other thing that seems important is that respect in this sense can come in degrees. You can respect some person, someone, a, a small amount or you can respect them a lot and it might be over a broad scope of things or it might be on something really specific.
2: What about here in a hospital or in the health professional setting? What does respect mean there? Like, is it the same? Do patients have to earn our respect?
1: So can I ask you that question? Do you think patients and families have to earn our respect? Ali nods and says no. Ali's down the front there, Juliana. And we're gonna see why she nodded. I mean, shook her head. I think there's a difference between
3: having the respect that you describe as admiration and then just having a
1: baseline respect for a person. So I see the two differently. It's a different idea somehow.
4: Are other people thinking that? I think there's a difference between the question of do they have our respect and should they have our respect unconditionally.
1: Keep going. (laughs) What's the difference?
4: Um, The difference between an, an ideal clinical world and the clinical world that we actually live in. And how we do treat our patients versus how we should Uh, or how we think we should
1: yeah thank you for saying that so our question was a normative question should patients and families have to earn our respect so we're not asking what really happens we're asking in an ideal world what what should yeah what should be the case
4: so maybe the difference is in hospital when we talk about respect we're basically talking about acknowledgement of a certain right
1: so uh or acknowledgement of our duty towards patients. So when we're respecting patients, we're acknowledging we have a duty to care for them, Uh, uh, whereas respect
4: outside of the workplace may be different. So when you're respecting the physical prowess of someone on Strava, that's that's admiration. But because of the way we use language, we often use
1: the same words to mean quite different things. I did have a moment last night where I was thinking, if you were speaking a different language, would you have this problem, Sarah Jones... In Italian.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, th- I think she said yes. She would have this problem. I'm hoping that's what she said. And
2: can you explain in English why you would have the problem?
1: <laughs>
5: can Can I answer a different question?
1: Sure. <laughs> I guess, with all due respect, we have to let you do. That.
5: With all due respect. <laughs> Which is what we say when we don't actually agree with someone with all due respect. I guess the, the question that I wanted to ask is, how do people in this room respect the baby, the infant, who is their patient? Yep. Because
1: babies haven't achieved very much, have they? Usually. <laughs> oh, 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 oh.
2: <laughs>
1: <Sit>. <laughs> so can you respect children and, and babies? Is that a meaningful concept? Yes. Does anyone who's nodding want to put words around that nod?
2: I've got the microphone, so while somebody else puts their hand up, I think respect is sometimes about acknowledgement. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be marvellous, but sometimes respect comes with acknowledgement, acknowledging the presence of the
3: baby, the importance of the baby.
1: Like Claire, do you want to pull that together for us, or are we waiting for yeah. someone else we're to, to say? I think Juliana's. Are you here. asking
3: me to say something that's dangerous? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to add to what me. Juliana said, and I think perhaps there's an element of the, the context in which you're sitting in, adding to the meaning, giving definition to the respect. So you might not respect a parent just because they're a parent, but in the context being that you're, you're a medical practitioner ah. and someone is a patient yep. in the room, you're respecting that dynamic. Yep. And one. I think respect is almost like an innocent until proven guilty. You
1: start by respecting someone until you don't, until they that do something It raises the really interesting question of, could patients lose our respect? Oh. Um, and that, what that would top. that mean? Yeah.
5: Oh, just um, quickly before we get onto that, this just expands on what was just said. I think you can vehemently disagree with someone and still respect them.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh-huh.
6: Yes. Yep. And I was going to say the same thing. Um, Lynn and Claire, which is that I think respect is about acknowledging the humanity
2: of the people that we're working with. I mean, the patients and their families. And I was thinking about the case of the twins who'd been abused that we heard earlier. And even if you knew that the father, you strongly suspected the father had done it, we still owe him respect.
1: Uh. Now is that a big claim? We still owe a father who physically injures his children respect.
7: (laughs) I was just going to say, I think that we still owe him some respect as a human being, but he almost automatically will lose some of our respect as a father. And, and, And so it might be more difficult to... Um, continue to conduct ourselves in in the appropriately respectful manner, and that's for some people at some times. Um, but I think that that's part of a professional role is that we need to continue to behave respectfully, even if it's not our innermost emotion.
1: So, can we hold that sort of behaving respectfully? When we want to come back yeah. to that in a little. Hugo wants.
6: To... I think our, a part of this problem is really uh, a problem of terminology and semantics and the word respect is trying to do too much mm. because yeah. we. We do, we do owe people we do owe people things. Uh, they have rights, they have responsibilities, they're entitled to identity and so on and so forth. So that, that they're owed, but that doesn't mean the same thing as respect for somebody's achievements. Uh, and so I think we, we, we would be better off uh, using different terms for different things
2: and i think i think this i think you've summed up what we had on this slide which was the idea of um respect being a type of um value that a person has independent of uh what they do they don't have to earn it but just being human is that value so in that sense respect is shared and i think you're also getting at this other idea of trying to define what it means in um, a healthcare context and how is it different to that notion of um, respecting the value of humans? Because I think it does become more, it sort of becomes more of a duty. How do we behave towards another person when we're a health professional? How, How do you think that plays out? So
1: that suggests that, does it that health professional, or people acting in a health professional role, have somehow more obligation to respect patients and families than you would when you both walked out the door and you took off your respective hats. Does that sound, pl- I'm not sure if that's plausible.
8: I, I think that brings in the responsibility side of that relationship as well. So with that responsibility comes respect. So for example, of the, the father who may have injured his twin children, um, the respect you owe you owe him may not just because he's got his own intrinsic value as a person. But we heard that he was probably abused when he was a child. We don't know what intolerable stress that family might have been under with three small children under the age of two. As I whispered to my neighbour and we whispered to each other there, but for the grace of God go I. We've all been barely near that point of wanting to do something to our kids when they've driven us up the wall, but most of us are able to stand hold back and not do it. Mm. So there has to be... and that So that's... That's the understanding side of it. There's a responsibility and an understanding side that I think you have to hold as a health professional as well as that basic respect for humanity.
1: So it sounds like you're agreeing with an idea that there's something special about the health professional relationship that that raises the bar a bit. I think it's also
9: obviously context-dependent because I could run into a patient's parent at Woolworths yep. and if we were going for the last Cadbury chocolate ah, bar, then, yes. you know, I don't owe them the Cadbury chocolate bar because <laughs> they're my patient. Um, but I think in the situation where I'm interacting with them as a health professional, then it's different because there's also a power gradient and the fact ah. that I have a level of expertise in that engagement that is um, different to in the Woolworths situation means that I am duty-bound to,
1: uh, I guess, deliver a higher level of respect than I might be otherwise. So in that context, you would owe them the chocolate bar. Correct.
2: <laughs> so, so that's why we, we drew thick and thin arrows. But why is there an arrow going from the family back to the health professional? Do they owe... Um, what sort of duty do they owe us, <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, look, all right, let's stick my, I've been sticking my neck out over the last few days. You ready, John? Um, do they, I'm not sure that they owe any. Oh. <laughs> 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 Thanks, John, I wanted some reaction. Ross. I think it's interesting that um, the way the system's set up demands a very high level of respect from patients and families for health professionals in the hospital system. So, I'm just thinking, for example, about the amount of my time as a mum that I've spent sitting in waiting rooms. And so, it's asking me to put a very high level of respect on the, the system and the functioning. Yeah. I, I need to wait a lot longer for that person um, than they're expected to take seriously my time. That that's, interesting? that's very interesting.
2: Mm. And suggests also that an element of respect is. Um Um, showing uh, politeness or um, regard for the for time that you use so which sort of I want to go on to this next one with that can you tell uh, can you pick up respect by some measurable behavior waiting time for example or in this picture can you tell who's respecting who as they walk along Could you
1: fake respect? Can you fake respect? Well, are are those two people respecting each other, do you think? And how are you trying to tell? Can I... um, My comment was just going to be that I think
3: respect is based on the thing that you both have agreement about. You're both in that session or in a room together or a consult together because you want an outcome. Um, So what you are expected to do and the respect given to you is based on how likely it is to allow the outcome of the scenario to happen. So respectfully um, behaving towards a practitioner would allow for you to provide the care that you want to provide to that child or something.
2: So if there's respect, you are you suggesting that it's easier to arrive at a shared goal or at least to
3: I think so, and I I think that's the terms on which respect should be, often can be defined. It's not that I would respect the person sitting next to me at the football or expect the same thing from them either, Mm. um, as I would in, in when there's a contract between us that says I will provide this to you and these are the conditions under which that
1: can happen. So Danny, my question is, if I were a fly on the wall and it's you and a parent in the room, would I be able to tell by looking whether you're respecting the parent? What would I be looking for?
3: Could I tell? Probably not by looking, but by observing
1: like the interaction. Yeah, um, that's what I'm asking. What, what would I see that would tell me you were respecting them?
7: You can tell by someone's body language and how they interact with someone. And sometimes, well, I know my face says it all, but sometimes <laughs> people's faces, you can tell if someone respects someone or not. But you says, can compose the features of your face to show
2: respect... So we haven't quite got. Can can you fake it for?
7: Well, can I just say? Yes, some people yes. Sorry, can I just add something before? Um, When you said about how if um, our parents do they automatically respect us? What I find working up on butterfly is that parents often come in with a perception of what they either respect nurses or healthcare professionals or they don't or they've got this certain expectation, whether that's from TV or social media or they kind of come in with this expectation of what they think they're to, their stay is going to be like. And then when they have their stay, they've either either got this much respect or this much respect depending on how they were treated and um, what their experience was. Uh,
1: and are you suggesting that it's not in the middle, either it's really high or really low? Yeah, no, that's really fascinating. Uh, And I guess one of the things we're interested to tease out is what did they find respectful? Or what was it that you did that either gave them respect or not respect? Yeah, we better have the microphone back. (laughs) Thanks, Avi, just take it away from Jill. (laughs) With all due respect. Ah, Sorry. (laughs) If some leave uh, feeling that they've been treated really well and others leave feeling differently, What's the treating? Well, you know, what did you do that was different?
7: Well, I think it can depend on their expectation of what they wanted to happen or what they were told was going to happen. And I think that comes down to trust as well, because someone might have said, you're going to be here for two weeks, but then complications happen and they're in there for two months. So they're going to have no trust in what people say. And then I think with trust, trust and respect are kind of intertwined. Yeah, it's interesting thing to think about, isn't it? um, I guess, I think ultimately how you're treated by, healthcare professionals can sometimes make or break your stay and your experience. Yep. And then depending on that experience can impact the next experience with how much respect they've got because people, in my opinion, tend to put nurses under the same umbrella. Every nurse is all the same. Right. Um, but then when you're actually in hospital and then you have uh, however many nurses looking after your child, then that perception changes. That sort of res, um,
2: suggests respect. You can't really um, trick anyone or fake it. Yeah, so
1: let's come back to the faking question. I can a, also do that. A hand here <laughs> and there
2: and then up the top.
1: I was
9: just going to say, I think one of the important things in demonstrating it is genuinely listening, and I think you can demonstrate that, that you take time to actually listen to what the other person's um, perception is or what they're wanting um, to get from the interaction. So, I think listening is something that's really important in, in that respectful relationship yep.
2: in the behaviour. Of that.
1: So, again, just to be slightly annoying, I reckon I could fake listening. In fact, maybe I just did it then. <laughs> I was looking at you and I didn't say anything. You might have thought I was listening to you, but actually, I was wondering how my dog's getting on. <laughs> so, can, can
8: you fake it? What do other people think? So, Lynn, you asked the question, what would you notice if you know, were you looking for respect? And you notice that Plato and Aristotle are looking at each other. And you were just saying, then, you might have been looking, but you might not have been listening. Yes. Uh, and I think looking is actually quite an important component of demonstrating respect and we, and all of the communication skills that we're all supposed to be so good at nowadays. And what I find is that since we've had an electronic medical record in this hospital and EPIC, that I spend far more time looking at the computer and less time looking at the family than I used to. Yeah. And that's some. Well, it, it is, sure, there's cultural issues. Uh, obviously, there's cultural, and my respect, then, is to understand those and respect them. But I just want to come back to this point. So some, for the first year or so, I used to sort of apologize profusely at the beginning of each consultation. I thought, oh, God, I can't. So I just sort of do it, and if it's a new patient, I say something. So I try and show my respect by listening and being with even if I'm not directly looking at ah. and every now and then apologising. So, and I was going to say about faking, I think a lot of school students try and fake respect for some of their teachers, but I'm not sure that the teachers ever don't really understand what's yeah. going on. Yeah.
2: So there's been a hand uh, at
7: no, the top. No, I, I have a microphone.
2: Sure, go. Go. <laughs> um, I just wanted to pick
7: up on the faking the listening you yep. might be able to fake it in that moment, yep. but when you respond, they will know if you actually have res- if you're responding to what they said or not, and or that what will did you change say the
3: tone.
7: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I I
2: just...
7: So I think that actually you can't fake the real listening because um, it what they have said should be influencing the tone of the rest of the conversation.
1: Right. Okay. So you, I could only fake it for a few seconds, and then I'd get you can, caught you can out. Perhaps fake it
2: momentarily. Yeah. So.
1: I
9: agree with um, the speaker over there who spoke about listening, but I think there's listening and listening, and I think that people respond to an interested listening that is patient ah. and and despite. And for me, as old as I am, it's a problem with social media and computerised <laughs> records about the eye meeting the eye of the other and being able to be patient to look at the other and appear to be interested, and who knows whether one's faking it or yeah, not. That, so
1: that is my question, appearing yeah. to be interested versus being interested. But if you've got interested. your eyes on the screen, which is the
9: only way to function these days, and I understand that and acknowledge it, it's impossible to do both at the same time. Yeah. So maybe the consultations take more time and there is
1: not more time. Time is, of, uh, is very limited. But we're talking about the environment being a challenge to respect. Now, we had Daryl and Ken.
0: I guess, uh, coming back to a point that Hugo made, I was sort of thinking about so the Latin origin, the words respicio, and I was kind of looking up what that meant. <laughs> And so it does have multiple definitions, some of which include kind of looking at, some of which include caring for, some of which include respect. But another definition which I think is really salient to this discussion is um, it's often translated as to consider. And so considering, I think, includes not just listening but actually holding someone, you know, in your mind. So in in terms of faking that, I think that's a hard thing to fake because you need to listen to someone, you know, to, to achieve that, to consider them properly.
1: What was that phrase, hold someone in your mind?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's my definition of consider, yeah, yes, no, but I, I think it. consider yeah. is a nice way of defining respect in the, for this discussion. Uh, I think you can definitely fake it, and in fact I teach faking it, because I think in cl- <laughs> Hugo taught me that um, good <laughs> clinical medicine is about pattern recognition, and it's not uncommon in a clinical encounter, you, you know within 30 seconds what's going on, um, but you have to have an internal voice in your head saying, um, you know, show them that you're listening. Let them let them talk. Don't interrupt. All the things we've been taught, and that's good clinical medicine. We should all do it. But you know, there's natural impatience, so you've got to maintain the gaze. Try to tell, you know, have an internal voice saying, let them know that you're listening, you're respecting, you're giving them space. Even though you're impatient, you know what's going on. You know what you're going to say next. Um, but you've got to give them time and space to to be felt respected.
1: So, Daryl, we must chat sometime about whether communication skills training is potentially evil. <laughs> uh, I think sometimes it can be for bad rather than for good, but that's another topic for another time. <laughs> um, I was nodding vigorously
3: when you asked the question, can you fake respect? Because I, I can think about situations where I've done it. But then when I think about those situations I was in, I was faking it because I felt that, that, that I owed that person some respect. Ah. So, oh, in faking it, it, am I actually providing respect to them? by giving them
1: <laughs> so we were wondering if you can fake it till you make it or is faking it making so you're saying by faking it you are by faking it, it you're
3: making it because if you yeah. didn't have a level of respect for them you yep. wouldn't bother faking
1: you wouldn't it, bother faking it. Yes. and, and that's sort of what you're saying daryl yeah following Sorry. on
9: from that i think you can fake it until you haven't made it that <laughs> it's when uh, that respect really breaks down that it becomes impossible to fake it any
1: longer
2: yeah I think that's a nice one because I think faking it um, by going through the motions um, you can actually uh, develop that respect. But if you go through the motions and you don't get through to the development phase (laughs) inside your head, perhaps that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, 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 We've got a couple.
3: I'm just a bit lost because I don't know why you would want to fake it. I don't understand the premise.
1: Keep going, Zoe.
3: Um, well, I'm just I'm I feel I resonated a fair bit with what Daryl's saying about I think it's a you know in a busy chaotic consult which is, seems to be most of mine. Um, in the end, there's this kind of sense of endurance on behalf of the the parent, myself, and the kid having got through everything and whatever we've needed to do and so on, and you need two-way respect with that you know including my apologies over fumbling and looking at epic and saying oh sorry i used to actually look at my patients i'll try a bit every now and then and so <laughs> on but but i don't i've never felt that i've faked something yep. um, i don't know maybe it's a personality thing but i just find the question really interesting
1: <laughs> is this what you're getting at <laughs> that there's an attitude in there
0: From my point of view, we've heard a little bit about this idea of shared humanity and considering and holding people. And to me, it kind of comes back to this idea of empathy as a basis for having respect. So if you can consider someone and see the world through their eyes, then I think that's a good baseline for respecting someone. And so I think we heard about that with the father who may or may not have inflicted injuries on his child. There was still a degree of empathy for this man's situation as a person and a human, um, which is quite different from the action which was undertaken.
9: I just was wondering the same thing, like what are we faking Mm. to achieve? And this probably isn't correct either, but I wonder if it's something about doing the right thing. So we respect people by doing the right thing by them. We mightn't like them, we mightn't like what they have done, but at the end of the day we want to achieve the best for them, do the right thing by them. Um, And we do that by listening to them, trying to understand them, but that we demonstrate it by trying to do the right thing.
1: Yeah, which is back to Ali's point about by faking it, you are making it in some sense. Um, So I wonder whether at the core of all that, there is some, not just actions, but there's a basic attitude or orientation, or maybe it's a disposition or is there even an emotion, something in there that's beyond the actions, that's part of respect?
4: Then can I sort of semi-answer, saying I happen to have the microphone?
1: Absolutely.
4: Um, and I'm not sure if it answers that question exactly, but I'm, what I'm hearing is this tension between feelings or emotions and actions, and we all operate on a whole lot of levels and are feeling all sorts of things in, in relation to people we see in a clinic, um, So really respect, it's not exactly faking it, but you you might be having all sorts of responses, emotional things, triggering things of your own, um, feelings of irritation, annoyance, all sorts of things, but that doesn't mean then that your actions need to be non-respectful or that you're faking it if you show a basic amount of respect. So I guess it's just that there's always a whole emotional world for us behind Everything, but that doesn't have to change our essential respectful attitude.
5: I'm going to follow that on because I've also got a microphone. Um, I think that some people can fake it very effectively, but some people are very respectful and they can come across as not respectful. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I think with so and and there's a whole lot of factors that influence that um, in terms of where they are with their life, where they are with their day. I think. Just like any social skill, there is a very broad spectrum of ability. And I think would be naive to think that us as, as, um, as healthcare workers don't have a broad spectrum of ability with that as well.
8: Um, I, I was wondering, kind of based on that distinction between attitude and actions. Uh, if it would be useful to distinguish between respecting somebody and treating somebody respectfully, and I imagine that if I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to fake it, I'm going to, you know, pull off this internal thing where I just don't respect this person at all, but I will compose my face exactly the right way, I will actively listen, I will treat them very, very respectfully, do all of the right things, and, you know, the mask never slips. Mm. I don't know if that would const- It might constitute faking respect, but I don't know whether that would constitute, you know, faking, displaying respect or treating respectfully.
2: Which I think raises the question: um, is is attitude uh, or action more or less important, or do you have to have an equal amount of both for it to be um, to, to be sincere. Yeah,
1: and I was thinking about what Sarah said about some people have the attitude of respect but don't manage to convey that. Mm, mm. So, so what do we say about that? Is that, uh, is that a moral failing? Should that person do better or is it just how they are and that's all we can e- Can
2: expect? you learn to... Um, you can learn to behave in respectful ways. That, that seems teachable. Can you learn... The attitude is, you know, um, do you have an ethical obligation to develop
1: a feeling? Can you can you be taught a feeling? Five minutes to go. Five minutes. In five minutes, we have to answer the question: Can you have an ethical obligation to have a feeling or an attitude of respect? Or maybe even picking up on Sarah's point, can you have an ethical obligation to do certain respectful behaviours if you're not good at them? Any thoughts?
6: Well, I was thinking that uh, what we haven't talked about is self-respect. Oh. And self-respect is highly relevant because uh, if you have self-respect, then you can respect others. Uh, and it's to, back to the uh, the old principle, uh, treat other people the way you'd like to be treated yourself. And if you have self-respect, then you'll know what to do. Yeah, and, Claire and I've
1: been to- chatting about self-respect, so thank you for raising that. <laughs>
5: Lynne and Claire, this just takes it back to the clinical encounter. If you have a parent yelling at you, Mm. um, the idea that one would respectfully stay engaged in conflict is antithetical to the sense of threat or fear. Mm. And your earlier slide said under pressure. Yep. And we've missed the under-pressure part to this, that it might be respectful or in Hugo's sense, self-respectful, to conclude the conversation, to say, I cannot do my most respectful best when you are screaming at me. With all due respect, I will come back this afternoon. Yeah. And we, we need to get it back to under-pressure conflict not an esoteric examination of yep. the premise of Thank respect. Thank you, Sarah. That's yeah.
1: where we wanted to go in the next bit. <laughs> um, Let me just say a couple of things that might address that. We'll take a last c- couple of questions. One way of thinking about respect is, of, is as part of a virtue ethics approach to ethics. So this is not using principles to make decisions, but virtue ethics says what, what uh, the way to think about ethics is to think about your character traits, who you are as a person, um, that, and the term for that is a virtue. So if respect is a virtue, it's a disposition or an attitude which we should cultivate. Um, but Aristotle said only it, in moderation. So of all the virtues that we should have, all of them are to the right extent, and you can have too much. So courage is a virtue, um, and you should have the right amount. But if you go too far, you've tipped over into stupid recklessness. You might think, likewise, if respect is a virtue, then there'll be a tipping point where it tips over into... um, Obsequiousness. Thank you, thank you, (laughs) you say it for me. Obsequiousness. Um, Or or of letting yourself be walked over. And that's where I think
2: self-respect brings it back, because um, it's not always about doing good for the other person or thinking only of the other person even if the other person is yelling and screaming at you, for example. You need that, as Hugo pointed out, that sort of sense of self and respect for self in order to be wise about your virtue.
1: But, Sarah, can you shout back? If the parent is shouting at you, can you shout back and swear back and walk out and (laughs) slam the door?
5: I haven't read the evidence base for shouting back, (laughs) but my hunch is... Possibly not ideal.
1: So that would not, yeah. So that's not respectful. And so there's still some level of respect you owe, even when you don't have to stay in the room. Yeah.
3: Uh, I, th- um, I was just going to add. I think maybe there's a question around what Wave. do we think the oh, impact you. of respect, of giving that respect, is. So, um, if you shouted back at them and didn't show that respect, you're not choosing, or you wouldn't choose not to shout back at them, only because of the respect element, but what you think that respect will do to the situation. So responding in an aggressive way is going to escalate the situation, whereas responding in a way that refers to the self-respect that you want to give yourself and them uh, I'm not articulating myself very well, but I think it's about the impact of what you're doing. So so why are you choosing respect as a virtue that you hold, not because someone's told you to, right. but because inherently it has some value to the relationship. Yep,
1: yeah. yep that makes sense. A couple more than we need... Oh, one more than we need more. to finish. Yep. <laughs> M- me again. The lucky last.
7: Um, I was just going to say that um, I had a situation a couple of months ago where I had a family that was yelling and screaming at me, um, and I just... One, I was surprised, so I sat there and took it. And at the same time, I still had respect for that family because I was, I could tell that they were just yelling at me because they were stressed and they had no control over what was happening. So I think you can still have respect for somebody if you can recognise that it's not actually about you or they're just, they're obviously just panicking and stressed. So in that situation, you could sort of differentiate the two. It wasn't about me, it was about them. So I think you can still have that element of respect there. I mean, it, it was awful, but still. It sort of goes Got to it. Ken's point about um, um,
2: respecting, being considering the other person's sort of situation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. so, um, oh, we have one more um, final, final, final. There we go. Yeah,
5: I was just going to add that um, to me. I would consider um, respect as a value system. Um, so. It's very hard to be sort of virtuous on a personal level and um, particularly however you're feeling in a system but if there's like a central sort of agreement that it's a value system that we hold as kind of a collective and um, that we um, show that in different ways and we're trained um, how you show that in different ways in different situations I think that's pretty central to what we're talking about
2: yeah yeah. I think that's, that sort of sums up that idea that it's, it's not just um, a one-way um, process and also it's respect means a whole lot of things in different situations, being able to judge how to respond.
1: Yep,
8: which
2: yeah.
1: suggests that it's a virtue. But we just need to tell you, because I'm really anxious, go to the end that this wasn't a sermon, yeah. um, and telling we're... you all to be good. So yeah. I need you. Oops, Claire's trying to get to the slide that shows the journal article that's uh, about, there we go, yeah. moral saints. And this journal article is suggesting that um, if- You don't have to be a saint. You don't have to be a saint. You don't have to be a saint. You do not have to be perfect. And then there's another journal article that says, actually, if you think there's something wrong with a moral saint, you've got the wrong idea of what a moral saint is. And you do have to be a moral saint, so I'll leave that puzzle with you. (laughs) Thanks a lot.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the team at Essential Ethics. This podcast was made possible by the generous support of the Friends of the Children's Bioethics Centre Auxiliary. The podcast was recorded at the Royal Children's Hospital... If you like the podcast, please leave us a review and tell your colleagues. If you would like to know more about the activities of the Children's Bioethics Centre, the Royal Children's Hospital, including our annual conference, visit our website at www.rch.org.au forward slash bioethics. Essential ethics. Be inspired.